This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Well, Joseph and the God of the Impossible is the title of our current teaching series. Today, we're in Genesis 46, but Several weeks ago, we started out in Genesis 37, where we were introduced to Jacob's favorite son, whose name is Joseph, the one to whom he had given a coat of many colors. Joseph dreams a dream and tells that dream to his brothers, and that just creates a flood of jealousy, and they actually decide to sell him into slavery. Joseph winds up in Egypt and becomes a servant in the house of Potiphar, whose whose wife tries to seduce him, and and after he's falsely accused, he's tossed into prison where he meets a couple of guys who who are, are officers in Pharaoh's court, and he interprets their dreams for them. He gets an opportunity not long after that to interpret the dream for Pharaoh himself, the ruler of Egypt. And Joseph is suddenly and miraculously elevated to second in command in all of Egypt simply because he could interpret the dream of the Pharaoh. Only God could orchestrate something like that, right? Only God. And so Joseph rises to power in Egypt just in time to prepare the people and the land for a grueling seven-year famine. He stores up enough grain to carry the nation through this formidable crisis. So when they learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, his brothers who were still in Canaan traveled all the way from Canaan to Egypt to buy grain feed their families, keep their families alive. Once they got there, Joseph saw them. They didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. But he did not tell them who he was. He didn't reveal himself. He treated them like strangers who had come to Egypt to buy grain. After a couple of trips back and forth between Canaan and Egypt, Joseph manages to get all of his brothers lined up in front of him. And in Genesis chapter 45, he tells them who he is. He reveals himself as their long-lost brother, Joseph. They weep and they hug each other. The Bible says Joseph fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin fell on his neck and wept, and he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. So it was a great family reunion except that Jacob, the father, the aging father, was not there, so the brothers quickly returned to Canaan and told the whole story to their uh, aged father, Jacob, who decides that he must go to Egypt in order to see Jacob before he breathes his last breath. So with five years left in this seven-year famine, they pack up everything they own and head for Egypt. Their little ones, their, 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 their wives, their livestock, their wagons, they took it all. Jacob and all of his offspring with him and his sons and his sons' sons and his daughters and his sons' daughters packed them all up for the long trek from Canaan to Egypt, probably five or 600 kilometers. They made the trip together. We're told in Exodus chapter 1 that Jacob and his descendants were about 70 persons. Seventy people traveling in that big caravan that distance with all their stuff. And they arrive in the middle of this devastating famine, which brings us today to 
Genesis 46 and verse 31. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, please open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 46 and verse 31. A seven-year famine, just think of it. Think of the insecurity and the fear and the panic that would prevail, that such a famine would create. Imagine what life would be like if COVID-19 lasted for seven long years. Think of the responsibility and the obligation that this famine created for Joseph, who is the prime minister of the country of Egypt. Joseph felt the weight of all that responsibility. I'm sure he did. And now he had the added responsibility, added obligation to look after his family. And this wasn't just a single family unit, you know, mom and dad and two kids. No, this is 70 people. This is like a small nation. And besides that, they are Hebrews who came to, to Egypt from Canaan. So they encounter a new culture. They encounter a new language, a whole new way of life. And yes, Joseph feels all of that responsibility for his family. How was he going to handle that? What was he going to do to fulfill his responsibilities to the Pharaoh of Egypt and also to his family from Canaan without compromising his integrity? Well, first of all, Joseph planned ahead with wisdom and justice. He planned ahead with wisdom and justice. Genesis 46, 31. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household who are living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds. They tend livestock. And they have brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls you in and asks, What is your occupation? You should answer, Your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. So, Joseph is planning ahead on their behalf. And he, he says, when, when Pharaoh asks you, don't, don't use the word shepherds. Tell them that you're tenders of livestock because the Egyptians hate shepherds. So Joseph did his homework. He planned ahead. He did not simply look across the land and, and spot a, a place in the northern part of, of the country, the very best spot, and tell his fathers and, and, and brothers to just go. He didn't say, look, go, go and settle over there. Take the best land, the fertile land, and I'll handle I'll handle things with, with uh, the Pharaoh. No, he didn't do that. Joseph was willingly accountable to Pharaoh. He, he never presumed for a single minute that he could just go ahead with his plans without consulting with his boss. Despite the high level of authority and responsibility that he had been given by Pharaoh himself, he didn't assume. He didn't presume on his boss. He planned ahead with justice and fairness and wisdom, but he always deferred to the Pharaoh. He was respectful and humble. Friends, as our province and communities and our churches reopen slowly and carefully, we also need to plan ahead with wisdom and, and justice and fairness in mind, and I think our church has done that. And, and we should also respect and honor those in authority, the men and women in, in positions of authority who are making those decisions and, and placing guidelines and restrictions upon us for our own good. 
We need to respect them and honor them in these days so that it doesn't destroy the testimony of our church or other churches in the city. How did Joseph handle all that responsibility of being prime minister and caring for his own family? Well, he planned ahead with wisdom and justice. Secondly, Joseph submitted to authority with loyal accountability. Here I'm going to take you to Genesis 47 verse 1. So Joseph went in and told Pharaoh, My father and my brothers, with their flocks and herds and all that they possess, have come from the land of Canaan. They are now in the land of Goshen. And from among his brothers he took five men and presented them to Pharaoh. So as soon as Joseph had his family settled in one place, he went to Pharaoh, again with deep respect, to honor him as the, the Pharaoh of Egypt and told him that his fa family had arrived from Canaan. They were now living in Egypt. Verse 7, Then Joseph brought in Jacob his father and stood him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. So they're off to a good start. Verse 11, Then Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a, po a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses, as Pharaoh had commanded. And that last phrase is important. As Pharaoh had commanded. Joseph settled his family in the choicest part of the land of Egypt where the soil was rich and fertile and so his family would flourish in their occupations as tenders of livestock and farmers. Because that's what Pharaoh wanted. Pharaoh had given Joseph those instructions and Joseph submitted to the earthly authority of the Pharaoh you know most of us operate we function we serve under someone else's authority don't we unless you own your own business or work for yourself you probably work under someone else's authority you are not your own boss <laughs> Joseph made sure that he remained accountable and loyal to the Pharaoh how are you doing in that regard? <laughs> How are you doing in responding to the person who is over you at work? How's your spirit? How's your attitude toward that person who supervises you or manages you? You're not your own boss. <laughs> and you likely report to somebody who's getting paid a lot more money than you, than you are. How's it going? <laughs> uh, does that bother you? See, having the right attitude, having the right spirit can be especially tough if the person that you work for or work under or answer to is a difficult individual, harsh or hard-hearted, or if they're an incompetent leader, or if their weaknesses are so evident that you could easily publish them in a list in the newspaper. It's hard to be accountable to people like that. But listen, from a Christian perspective, and biblically speaking, Submitting to authority is not only a test of your loyalty, it's also a test of your Christian maturity. As an employee, Joseph was, was loyal, accountable, wise, objective, flexible, efficient. He was all of that and more. Which brings us to a third characteristic. Joseph arranged for survival with personal integrity. We're back to this quality of integrity again. 
We see this time and time again as we study the life of Joseph. In this case, notice how thoroughly he is trusted by the ruler of Egypt. Verse 13. There was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying, and he brought it to the Pharaoh's palace. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. Please give us food. They were begging him. They were at his mercy. As the years of famine progressed, everyday life changed drastically, not unlike the Great Depression years of the 1920s and 1930s, and not unlike the global pandemic of 2020. Everyday life has changed. But in Genesis 47, in this passage that we're looking at today, their very survival was at stake. It wasn't just a change of life that they were worried about, their very survival was at stake. And at this point, Joseph has enormous power in the land of Egypt. He held their lives, their future, in the palm of his hand. What a perfect opportunity to rip off the public. <laughs> what a perfect opportunity uh, to, to keep some of the real, real estate for himself that had been pledged in, 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 in exchange for food. What a perfect opportunity to steal some of the money, steal some of the property. But you see, Pharaoh had complete trust in Joseph, and Joseph knew that. Joseph wasn't about to compromise his integrity to have a few extra dollars in his bank account. After all, Joseph had to live with himself. He had to get up the next morning and look in the mirror. And more importantly than that, Joseph had to give an account to his God. And so do we. So do you. So do I. We, need to give an, we will give an account to God. Romans 14 verse 12 says each one of us will give an account of himself or herself to God. Someday there will be a reckoning. We will stand before him. So be careful how you live today, my friends. Maintain your integrity. Don't compromise yourself for the sake of a few dollars or for the sake of a few friends. Don't do that. <laughs> Joseph brought all the money to the Pharaoh's palace. He didn't keep any of it for himself. All the money went into the proper bank account. There were no payouts, no kickbacks, no bribes. He never set up an offshore account. There was no slush fund with his name on it. Joseph operated with absolute integrity. Can you say the same thing about your workplace? Are you operating there with, with complete and constant integrity? I hope so. Back to verse 15. Genesis 47, 15. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. Well, then bring your livestock, said Joseph. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep and goats, their cattle and donkeys. 
And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there's nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes, we and our land as well? Buy us. They were selling themselves into slavery. Buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die and that the land may not become desolate. Wow. In their utter desperation, they, they put themselves entirely at Joseph's mercy. They, they just, they, they, it's, it's as if they prostrate themselves before, before him. Just say, take us, buy us, and buy our land. Just, just give us food. And, and what is striking is that Joseph did not once abuse his power. Not once did he take advantage of these people. He arranged for their survival with personal integrity. What, what mercy flows from this man? What grace is evident in his life? And you know, as we head into the home stretch of this message this morning and into the home stretch of this series, next week is our last message in the Joseph series, as we head toward a conclusion, let, rem let me remind you that Jesus also planned with, with great wisdom and divine justice. The Bible says that even before the creation of the world, God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in His sight. He chose us to be adopted to sonship, that we might be part of the forever family of God. Hallelujah. You see, that's the plan of God. That's the plan of God for you and me. And Jesus planned ahead for all of that. When Jesus said in, in, in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, he was planning ahead. With all the divine wisdom at his disposal, he was planning ahead for the church. He was planning ahead for us and for our triumphant lives by grace through faith in Christ alone. Also, like Joseph, Jesus submitted to authority with loyal accountability. He was entirely and completely accountable to his heavenly Father. And he did not act alone. He did not act on his own. John 4.34 says, um, Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So he wasn't here just to do his own thing. He submitted to authority with loyal accountability to the Father. And when he was certain that he had accomplished his work as he hung on the cross, Jesus said, John 19, verse 30, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Thanks be to God. And third, also like Joseph, Jesus arranged for the survival of his family with tremendous personal integrity. Turns out that Joseph saves his family of 70 from starvation. It turns out that Jesus saves millions and millions from the fires of hell. He saves his family too. But Jesus is greater than Joseph 
by far. And Jesus saves whoever comes to him in faith. Whoever puts their trust and confidence in Jesus is given new life. Joseph is a good leader. Jesus is greater. Joseph provides food for his family, but Jesus provides eternal life and a home in heaven for his. So the moral of the story in Genesis 46 and 47 is not be more like Joseph. This is not a moralistic approach to the scriptures. No, Jesus is, uh, Joseph is pointing us to Jesus. He's pointing us to Jesus who is, and we need to be and we want to be like Jesus. All along the way, Joseph is pointing us to Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And my friend, if you're in the midst of a, a famine of the soul, if you're, if you're living in a spiritual famine today, then I want to invite you to feed on the bread of heaven. I want to invite you to come to Jesus and trust in Jesus and surrender your life afresh to Jesus, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to Jesus and let him fill you with life and hope and meaning and purpose because I know he can do that. Surrender your life to him anew today. Would you pray with me now, please? Dear Lord Jesus, in the days ahead, would you please help us to be far more preoccupied with the treasures of the gospel than the pressures of life. We will get through COVID-19, but there will be more tension and more pressure beyond it. Stress is never going to go away un until you come back again. And, and since your surpassing power is beautifully revealed through our weakness, we humbly accept our circumstances with an open hand. Lord Jesus, you and you alone are the way, the truth, and the life. One perfect righteousness and, and, and hope of glory. Lord, in the coming hours and, and, and the coming days and weeks, would you please release the aroma of grace, the beauty of your heart, and the wonders of your love to us and through us to others. This we pray in the strong and loving name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.